0: is the Santita Jackson show.
1: Home and hate to a peaceful love. It's not too late. Got to save the children. We can't wait. Let's change the world.
2: I am breathing. Hey everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson show. Get a little bit of feedback here. It's Monday, November 20th, 2023. We are ready for Thanksgiving. I am Santita Jackson coming to you from WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. Yes, I'm back. And yes, I did have COVID. Remember, my parents had COVID. Um, and um, they're doing quite well. Thank thank God. Uh, but I really, uh, excuse me, stayed Close to my mom, and because um, I wanted, she wasn't hospitalized, but I wanted to make sure that she got all the tests and yada yada yada. And I was in a pod with her, <laughs> a little pod where we were elbow to elbow for like twelve hours. And she was sneezing, and I was wearing a couple of N95 masks, but whatever it is, I got it. But I did do some things that um, that I'd read about, and that I, you know, I just really boosted. I just put my immune system on overtime, on overdrive. And now I'm no doctor, but I did read to you many a couple of years ago that uh, in New York, they started treating uh, these patients with vitamin C, you know, uh, COVID patients. And so, you know, I said, okay, let me do what it is that I can to push on through this. And I got on to the other side, but I still had the vestiges of walking pneumonia. So so last week was I really had to dedicate myself to getting well enough to be with you today. So I'm here. I'm here. Praise the Lord. I'm here and getting ready for Thanksgiving. Hope that you are, too. It's a joy to be with you today. We're going to be talking about um, several things we have. um, I've had this group, if not now, young Jewish activists who are having an internal discussion about how they deal with uh, what's happening over in Israel and Palestine now, Gaza and the West Bank. They're calling for an end to apartheid over there. They're calling for uh, a two-state solution. They're calling for peace. They're calling for a ceasefire. They're calling, and they are organizing it. I've told them that they have a home here because anyone who's pushing for peace, well, they have a home here on the Santita Jackson Show. And I think it's important for us to hear from members of the Jewish community because we're conflating um, and... And you're seeing attacks upon Jewish people on the rise. You're seeing attacks upon Arabs on the rise. But that's been the case. You know, that's never been forbidden. That's something that we have tolerated, attacks upon Arab people. And so, uh, so there's that. So what we're trying to do is, you know, look toward peace on the Santita Jackson show. And then looking at the global south, South Africa is going to take Israel to the international criminal court. Oh yeah, the global South is pushing. They're pushing. So what does that mean? What does it mean when Africa comes together? Uh, and the leader on the continent, It continent really is South Africa economically, um, spiritually for a whole lot of reasons. And so, uh, what does all that mean? So everybody, I want you to meet me here on WCPT eight twenty, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, um, and I want you to. Uh, I want you to go to the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel, the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel. And um, let's talk about let's talk about these issues and what to you are the big, big issues of the day. And sending a happy birthday to our president, Joe Biden, 81 years of age today. Everybody stop talking about his age. With age comes wisdom. I, I don't I think this this discussion about his age is really false. It really is, because you want someone, when you really, really want some good, solid advice, you go to older people. They've seen a lot. I think the, the pushback has been, you know, is he healthy enough? I mean, look, three of the most popular politicians you don't have to like. Uh, you do not have to like Donald Trump, but he's one of the most popular politicians in America. Bernie Sanders is the most popular elected official in America. Uh, and Donald Trump's almost 80 And Bernie Sanders is past 80 and our president is past 80. And I'm glad about it. How about that? I want some grown people to be in charge and some younger people like Kamala Harris and others to learn from them. How about that? Yes. Let's get right to it, everybody. So call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT, dedicating the show to the great first lady former first lady, Rosalind Carter. She is truly a forever first lady, humanitarian. She and her husband, Jimmy Carter, he said the greatest accomplishment of his life has been being married to her. That was the best decision he made. And it did. And he, and it was. They were married 77 years. She said, I was married all of my life. Yes. And it worked. It worked not just because he became president, but look at who, who he was. Look at who he is. Look at who they are. Teaching Sunday School, Habitat for Humanity. The Carter Center is an is a epicenter for peacemaking all around the world. That's what they have stood for. I'll never forget uh, Pastor Bobby Lewis, my next door neighbor, oil boy, oh boy, we've had some good times growing up, and dedicate the show to your sister Denise, one of my big sisters who made her transition. Um, I remember coming downstairs one morning, and I was a junior in high school, and my father was talking to President Carter. And he put me on the phone with him, and it was nice to chat with him and all of that. And he asked me what I wanted to do with my life, and, you know, I said medicine. I didn't really want to do that, but whatever. That's, a, that's another story. Um, and he said, I'd like you to go into law, maybe the ministry. He said, you know, those are really lofty professions, Santita, and da 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 da, da. And when my father got off the phone with him, he said he's going to be one of the great presidents. And then later on that fall, of 1980, when he became President Carter's chief surrogate, chief surrogate because President Carter by that time was so unpopular, he could not even campaign for himself. So my father had to do it. My father turned to me at the airport the last Saturday before the election, and he said, you know, he's being treated like the N-word. I've never seen anything like it. He said, but in time, you will see that he'll become our most beloved and most popular ex-president because of what he's standing for. And the person who helped who was his spine was Rosalind Carter. Hats off to you, a virtuous woman, Proverbs 31. That is exactly who she was, that is who she is, and we thank God for Rosalind Carter today, standing for the mentally ill, standing for all of those who stood in a place of challenge in the world. We love you. Rosalind Carter, everything that a woman, that a lady, that a mother, that a grandmother, a great-grandmother, a woman of God should be. God bless you. So let's get to some of these headlines, everybody. We have more than 13,000 people dead in Gaza, according to, um, wow, the Gaza Health Ministry. And another attack upon the Jabalia refugee camp. 32 members of one family were killed, 19 of them children. Wow. Protesters are demanding a ceasefire. They shut down the California Democratic Convention over the past few days. And the deputy Knesset speaker of the Israeli parliament, uh, Nassim Vatari, said, We are too humane. Burn Gaza now. Wow. What is going on, everybody? And Bernie Sanders continues to stand firmly against a ceasefire. But he is calling for a conditional uh, meeting out of U.S. military aid to Israel. He's saying, look, uh, we have to put restraints on them. What we need to do is tie aid to uh, a de-escalation, if you will, and a humanitarian pause. So we will see uh, what that is going to be. The World Health Organization evacuated 31 babies from a Gaza hospital. But the babies are dying because there's not enough electricity, electricity fuel, etc. all of that. It's a whole light and a far-right radical won Argentina's presidency yesterday, Javier Malay, everybody. So is that the trend of the future? We will see. In Chicago, we are going to have an interesting day. It's going to be 49 degrees and high. Might have some rain, but it will be cloudy. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 45 degrees, rain. It will be uh, cloudy and rainy. In the NFL, well, Chicago, and Minnesota, we struggled yesterday. Mm. The Lions 31, the Bears 26, the Broncos 21, the Vikings 20, and a heartbreaker. In the NBA, the Heat will be playing the Bulls tonight, and the Knicks will be playing the Timberwolves. In the NHL, the Sabres 3, Chicago 2, the Maple Leafs 4, yay. And uh, they were, well, not really, over the Minnesota Wild. But those are just some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. Pastor... Robert Burton Lewis, how are you doing? Doing wonderful. How are you, Santita? Well, bless your heart. Bless your heart. You gave me some heartbreaking news before we came on the air. My big sister, uh, your big sister, has made her transition. But we dedicate the show to Denise today. Dawn and I, your sister, who's my best friend, you know, we used to go into her room and get the get the books you know, Alice in Wonderland. Oh boy, we had some we had some fun, and um, yeah. and Denise would take us downtown, and she was always of such good cheer while she had to deal with these giggly girls. <laughs> and we get on the high seat and head downtown, and then have a little lunch at Marshall Fields, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I just thank God for Denise today, and I thank God for yeah. you, and I thank God for her family.
3: She was the the, the, the neighborhood big sister. I tell you. She, uh, she used to tell me about, because uh, she's 16 years older than me, and she used to tell me about how she used to uh, walk me around the neighborhood pretending that I was her baby.
2: Uh, uh, because you stroller. looked like you were her baby, Bobby. Okay? <laughs> so I'm, just, I'm just saying you and Yusuf are at the end of the line here. Just about. I uh, know.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay. But we thank God for her life and, her, and for her living today. The seven Lewis kids, I, we were like, are they trying to break a record? Come I mean, here. <laughs> I, oh, right. <laughs> oh, but boy, oh boy, what, what wonderful times we have had with the Lewis's. And we thank God for um, for your mother today, for Mrs. Geraldine Lewis, for all of the good times that, that she gave us. We thank God for your father, the great Ramsey Lewis, and the great uh, Mrs. Geraldine Lewis, because she established a home not just for you, but for the whole neighborhood. You knew you could go over to the Lewis's house and get something to eat all the time.
3: All the time, well, the door the time. was always open. Amen. Well, the door was
2: always open, always open. They yeah. all come over to our yard, mess up our grass, even though you had perfect turf. But I'm gonna leave that alone. But you know
3: <laughs> that was the best part of the day, hopping over that fence. It was the best part of the day. Couldn't wait to finish breakfast so I could jump over that fence and hang out with Youssef and play basketball. <laughs> well, I
2: did the reverse. I went. I, I didn't hop over the fence. I walked down the front, and then I. Opened the door, and then I walked sa- aside the fence, and then I went in, and Dawn and I hung out, either in her room or mine or Denise's room. So, sending you so much love today. Sending. Well, what's the good news? I mean, because, I mean, this has got to be a time of challenge for you, but it's a time of challenge for a lot of people as we go into this holiday season.
3: It is. And, you know, as I heard you, um, you know, reading the headlines, everything that's going on in the world, uh, it is still for us to center. It's still for us to center our minds and, and be thankful, uh, regardless of what's going on in the world and what's going on in our personal lives, God has done wonders for us. Um, and so we, as we gather around our tables this Thanksgiving, I want us to embrace the fullness of this blessed season. This is not just a time for feasting. It's a divine appointment for gratitude and a sacred moment to recognize the bountiful hand of God in our lives. The psalmist declares, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for God is good, for God's steadfast love endures forever. This week, as we reflect upon these words, Let's acknowledge the goodness of the Lord, not only in the abundance on our tables, but in the richness of our relationships, the strength we find in trials, and the hope that resonates in our, in our spirits. Remember, say, the same God who provided manna in the wilderness is providing for you in your wilderness. God who made a way for you and will make a way for you in your trials and tribulations. So do, do do you not see this? And, and that's what I want us to uh, really focus. You know, sometimes we get distracted on everything else in our lives, but God has made a way for us. And God's mercies are, are new every morning, and God's faithfulness is as vast as the sky. So this Thanksgiving, let it be more than just a holiday. Let it be a holy day, a day that we set apart to truly give thanks for the Lord's unending grace and mercy. Let us be like the one leper who, out of ten, returned to give thanks. Let us not just receive our blessings, but also return to the source of our blessings with a heart full of gratitude. So gather with your loved ones, brothers and sisters. Break the bread. Share the meal. But most importantly, share the love that flows from a grateful heart. Let your thanks go up. And watch God's blessings come down. Be blessed this Thanksgiving, knowing that you are a cherished child of the Most High God. And let God's love for you let you know that it has no bounds. Amen. Amen. So I'm just asking, I'm just asking everyone that, you know, we, we all have things that have gone on in our lives the, the trials and tribulations, the the victories uh, of life, but God holds true in all that we do. He loves us through it all, um, and He is a waymaker. He's a strong provider. God's love endures forever. Amen.
2: You know, let me ask you this uh, before you go: um, How do you make it through this season? I mean, we have laughed and joked about the seven Lewis kids. Eventually, there were five Jacksons and the Thompsons had five. We know we knew the people who were trying to break the bank in the
3: neighborhood.
2: (laughs) Um, But you've had to you've had to return them back to God because that's where they are. And they're waiting on us on the other side, Ramsey and Kevin. And Denise, yeah. how do you, and now in, in your mother and your father, but you have so many precious memories. How do you get through a season like this? You know, Santina, you just
3: hit it on the head. It's that, you know, the, 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 the richness. I was talking to Dawn, Santina, and, and, and she said, we keep losing our brothers and sisters. And I said, you know what, Dawn, we do. But that's really the idea. We, we have a big family. And we have so many memories of love. And and I call it proof of life. I can remember all the big Thanksgiving celebrations and Christmas celebrations and just playing music in the living room and playing music outside and uh, just having great times playing basketball. And so that's what brings me joy. Uh, It's not so much promise that we'll... Um, reach a certain age it's it's not the quantity of life but it's the quality of life uh, and so I'm reminded of the quality of love that we share together I'm reminded of the quality of friends and family that we have and this right here being able to talk to you and I can smile because I can see you in the house I can see you <laughs> hanging out with uh, I, you know that's what brings me joy and that's what gives me strength. And and you know, that's that's how perfect God is because you called and 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 and, and we're able to come together here um, and, and talk about just the strength the power of of the love that our family has for one another, but that's really evidence of God's love. So that's how I get through it.
2: Amen. And, you know, when you think about, that's what Dr. King's father, Daddy King, said after he'd lost his son, Dr. King, and then a, a year and a few months later, he lost his son, A.D., and then his wife was murdered on the organ at church. And he was at a big Baptist convention where my father was speaking, uh, where all the big preachers were, right? And... um and he went through, and my father said, you almost felt sad for him because he had to come after all the biggest, most profound, you know, the, 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 what the church records, as they're known. You know, the preachers who just lay you out on the, in the middle of the floor. Yeah. And he t- went through, you know what? When God took my son, Martin, I didn't think I'd be able to make it. And then he, turned, and he said, but then I turned around, I lost my baby AD the following August. Then my wife, I looked to my left, someone walked in the church just after she finished playing and shot her to death. He said, but I don't think about what I've lost. I think about what I have left. And yet, will I trust him?
3: Praise God. So,
2: praise God. And, you know, and sending much love to Denise today. My big sister. I think Mm. about all those memories. And her braces. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And then her having the braces taken off. Oh, yes. (laughs) Oh, you know, these are the things that these are the precious memories. And these memories are precious. And, you know, since today is a memory tomorrow, make today a precious one. Really appreciate it for what it is. Pastor Lewis, how can we worship with you?
3: You know, I would love for y'all to join us at Joy Life Center 9401 South of Oakley on the south side of Chicago in the Beverly area. Uh, And if you can't get to us, which we'd love to see in person, but if you can't get to us in person, you can join us via YouTube at Joy Life Center or on Facebook uh, at Joy Life Center. Um, Either way, we'd love to hear from you. And you can go to joylifecenter.org. And just type in, there's a space there where you can uh, click on the button on how to get involved and you can join us as a supporter, as a volunteer, or even as a member if you choose to do so after visiting us a couple of times. And we just love to share the information uh, with you of what we're doing. Uh, you know, Santita, we gave away uh, over uh, 30 turkeys uh, the, a couple days ago to families in need, Fam- families who were going through uh, drug addiction, uh, parents who are uh, restoring their lives and they just did not have the capacity to serve um, Thanksgiving dinner for their families. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we provided 30 turkeys to those families. Uh, And we're looking to give uh, more turkeys away through this, uh, dinners away through this holiday season uh, for families in need. Um, And and we just started Joy Life Center Academy, uh, Santita. Every Wednesday, we provide homework help, uh, drama classes, Mm. and creative movement classes to kids from kindergarten through eighth grade
2: for free. And the address (laughs) real quick before I go to commercial.
3: 9401 South Oakley in Chicago
2: Amen. in the Beverly yeah. Yeah. and by the way dirty little secret is Bobby's also one of the best Pastor Robert excuse me he's one of the best <laughs> musicians I mean there is something uh, there is a genetic component to this but it's just father, their father practiced in the death the last gospel album he did he and his brother produced and boy it is something incredible I love you Pastor Bobby
3: I love you too Santita I can't oh, wait Christ. to talk
2: to you. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, Dr. Knighton yes. stay right there, I gotta get a few minutes from you because we are in the season. Tis the season to the pass these infections around, but we're not gonna do that. <laughs> we're gonna be well. And we're gonna be talking about the Middle East here on the Santita Jackson Show back in just a minute.
0: This is the Santita Jackson Show.
2: Hey everybody, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show, WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station. And of course, you hear my little chug-a-lug. You all want to name my little um, printer. You can, I'm about to get a new one. You are more than welcome to, like you named the morning stars. I want you to call us at 773-763-9278. I hear something in the background. Was It's not just my computer. But let's just talk about the Middle East. Let's talk about uh, protesters who actually, they shut down the California Democratic Convention this past weekend. I mean, more than 68% of Americans want a ceasefire, but only 34 members of Congress have signed on to that. What's going on? Why are we so far? Why is Congress so far away from? Our desires. We've got to talk about that, everybody, on the Santita Jackson Show. So call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. And, um, but first, you know, it is the holiday season. We've got Thanksgiving, and everybody's going to be gathering, getting together, and yada, yada, yada. I think it's great. That having been said, you want to protect yourself. Uh and so, Dr. Shanita Knight, an infection preventionist, talk to us. What do you want us to look out for as we're about to gather on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, this is the season?
4: Good morning, Shanita. So one of the things that I want to remind people is to be safe and sorry, meaning that, yes, fellowship is all awesome. fun. Fellowship is a wonderful thing. But doing so safely is much more important because while the holiday will last for one day, illness lasts for weeks, and it takes time to recover from, and it can deter you from everything, including your goals, being around others, being healthy, and you have to go through that recovery period. So with that being said, I'm just going to remind people... Um, it's all about checks and balances. So if you know that you're going to be partaking in a lot of sweets on the holiday, just please be mindful that it only takes 75 grams of sugar to lower your immune system for five hours. So if you're eating sugar on top of sugar on top of sugar, understand that you are at risk. So if you are at risk by eating, let's say, sweets, but then you're around someone that is ill, those two factors just within themselves will put you at higher risk of developing whatever illness that they have, or if they're spreading droplets, it'll make you more at risk for getting a cold because your immune system is at that point compromised. And so I say that because many people think that, hey, we all have to be immunocompromised to be sickly to be at risk. But in fact, we're all at risk when we are in a situation of where sugar is the corporate of law in our immune system, when we are exposed to other people that are ill. With that, just be mindful that if you're having people over or going somewhere, that everyone will be touching similar surfaces such as doorknobs, handles. Just make sure that you're cleaning your hands in between. Um, Be mindful of how food is served, how people are moving around food, making sure that they're not talking over food. And then just make sure that, if anything, you are in an environment where there is some sort of open circulation to where you're not Breathing in the same air that can potentially make you sick. Hm.
2: Mm. What is seventy five grams of sugar? What is that? I mean is that a, a glass pastry. of orange juice? So or, I mean what is that?
4: Yes. Yep it is well that's a that's a tall glass of OJ, so about twelve ounces. Um or that could be a pastry and a cup of coffee, like some sort of latte and um and a muffin. So it does not take a lot. Operative word, as I said, it lowers the immune system for five hours. So let's say if I eat that pastry and I have that coffee at 7 a.m. And then I turn around and I decide to have a cookie at noon, which is, let's say, within the five-hour time frame, then it's almost like my clock is starting over and over in terms of sugar. And so that's why they there is this limitation of carbs or there's this spreading out of carbs. Just to ensure that your sugar intake is not going to be that high where your immune system is essentially going to keep crashing and crashing over and over again without you being able to make a full recovery mm.
2: everybody hey dr nina h e y d r n i n a she has some of the most some of the best most practical advice in fact she's heading out of the country in a few days to, uh, to lecture overseas about infection prevention and we are so blessed to have her every single day on the Santita Jackson show follow her in social media on social media get involved with her in social media h-e-y-d-r-n-i-n-a hey Dr. Nina sending you so much love hope to talk to you tomorrow if you're not on a plane going somewhere (laughs)
4: absolutely (laughs) and I think you're right I look I'm crossing my fingers I don't have to but if I am then yes absolutely
2: I'm like, I don't know where this girl's going to go, but here we go. I love you. God bless you. You know what? We have been, thank you so much. We've been talking about a ceasefire. At least 68% of Americans want a ceasefire in Gaza. Now, in the West Bank, you're seeing settlers attack people who live in the West Bank. The tensions in that part of the world are extremely high. And yet Americans more and more are calling for ceasefire. They're calling for peace. They're calling for it for justice and none more loudly than members of the Jewish community. Yes, um, young, mature, they're doing it. And this group, if not now, is such an. Interesting, wonderful amalgamation uh, of that community. They're coming together. They're having an internal dialogue. They're inviting us to join with them, but they're also having what you what you would call family talk about how you deal with these questions of. Where Israel goes from here, and so I'm just really, really excited to have them with us. I told them, "Is look, as long as you're calling for peace, you have a you have a place on this show. If you're calling for war, I got a problem with that. I do. I do. Blessed are the peacemakers." And I think it's Rachel. You know how we mature women do it. Rachel, right above, <laughs> professor of history. You know I love it because I love being older. I really do. <laughs> And of course, she's at University of Wisconsin at Milwaukee, but she is from Jewish Voice for Peace and Never Again Action in Wisconsin. And of course, we welcome Jonah Karsh to the show, who's a jazz pianist. You know I love this because, you know, I'm a musician in my other life, young man. Uh, and of course, he's the political lead at If Not Now Chicago. So welcome both of you to the show. Talk to us about If Not Now uh, what is If Not Now to you, and, and what do you hope to do with it? Let me start with you, Jonah.
5: Sure, absolutely, Santita, and thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I'm an admirer of your, of your singing as well. Um, if Not Now is an organization of American Jews uh, who are opposed to Israeli, uh, Israel's apartheid system um, and U.S. support for it. Um, and so we're trying to change the U.S. support for Israel's apartheid system uh, and move away from that and towards the future of justice, equality and human rights and democracy for all Israelis and all Palestinians. Um, and what we believe is that as long as Israel maintains what Human Rights Watch and Amnesty International and the largest Israeli human rights organization, B'Tselem, call an apartheid system, that that's, that that's not going to be possible.
2: What made you arrive to the conclusion that Israel had an apartheid system when President Jimmy Carter made peace and love be with his family today as they celebrate the life, the long, fruitful life of Mrs. Rosalind Carter, our forever first lady? Um, when he first asserted that Israel was an apartheid state, he was condemned uh, by many people. He was Cheered by many as well, what got you to that conclusion? Because you kind of have to go counterculture in order to not kind of you have to go counterculture to get there Jonah
5: certainly um, i think I think there was a, there was a time when many people in the Jewish community uh, were, would hear uh, the words of people like the former prime minister of Israel, Ehud Barak or Jimmy Carter saying. If Israel maintains its presence in the West Bank and doesn't make peace with the Palestinians, then it ceases to be Jewish and democratic, and it becomes an apartheid state. And I think it became clear over time that Israel was going to—not only was Israel going to stay in the West Bank forever um, as lo, if, without any pressure to do otherwise, um, but that the whole regime uh, that operates between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea, which includes— the blockade of Gaza, which includes uh, enforced segregation in schools and towns inside of Israel, was one system that uh, enforced uh, hegemony of one group, Jewish people, over another group, the Palestinian people. And that takes on different degrees in different parts of the country. But I think as I started to understand and, and see these reports coming out from human rights organizations, uh, it became much more clear to me that, that this is this is an apartheid system.
2: We're talking with Jonah Karsh, political lead for If Not Now Chicago, and, um, of course, another member of If Not Now and uh, Jewish Voice for Peace and Never Again Action in Wisconsin is a professor of history from the University of Wisconsin, my sister in maturity, Rachel. <laughs> I think we need to lift that up, but that's another story for another day. I think that's important. I think it really is. What about, would you you put, give us context for this, because you're an historian. Um, Where do you see this, I mean, where do you see many people, I mean, it seems that the American view of what's, what's been happening in the Middle East, and particularly in Gaza and the West Bank and Israel, it's it seems like it changed. It, it seems like it flipped overnight, or what has this been a process?
6: Yeah, it is really, really impressive, the numbers. You know, you were saying 68% of Americans support a ceasefire. I mean, I think there are a number of things at work there. Among Jews, and I think this is where... Um, the idea that this is a generational change is actually not wrong. Among younger Jews, the idea that Israel is a key part of Judaism and that we must um, support Israel at all costs is really waning as you, you know, it it just doesn't have the traction it did a generation ago. So, I mean, I think you see this moment of, you know, sort of this beautiful fluorescence of Jewish radical protest coming out of, you know, the process that Jonah described, the, the slow realization that, the regime in Israel is apartheid, is racist, is at this point, you know, actively exterminationist. You know, and I I think that 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 realization, which has sort of been a slow burn among Jews, is a really quick turnaround for a lot of people just looking at the news from Gaza. You know, I think on October 7th, the world mourned with Israel. And I think by, you know, a week later when it was clear that, there would, that, that all of our grief about the attacks, um, the Hamas attacks on the 7th, all of our grief was to be immediately weaponized into, into this terrible genocidal campaign of murder directed at civilians, whether they're called human shields or otherwise, civilians, children, innocents. I, I, think, that, I think that, you know, we look at that, we read the news. And and you know people who maybe haven't been involved or politicized on this issue still feel like that's wrong. That, you know it's, that, that's a, that's a big majority of the American people. But you kind of set up the conversation by saying, "Wow, you know, sixty-eight percent of the American people, but only thirty-four Congress people have signed on." I think the long um, kind of lockstep between the United States and Israel politically, which is enforced by AIPAC, which is enforced by um, you know evangelical Christian Zionists, you know I think that that 's very hard for um, po- politicians to shake. I know in wisconsin we 've been working very hard on our progressive reps like our Senator Tammy Baldwin, our representative Gwen Moore, and trying to get them to move on israel we 've been working with Moore for years and saying you have to attend, you have to sign on to you know the, the Betty McCollum has had a bill in in Congress for years saying, you know, U.S. aid should be conditional on not detaining Palestinian children in prison. And we can't get Glenmore to sign on to that because of you know this, this idea that what benefits America is, you know, endless military support of Israel, no matter what, that it's our proxy in the region, that it's the only democracy in the Middle East. These things aren't true but they're very powerful. And we've seen the censoring of Rashida Tlaib for for using the words that Jonah just used so beautifully, from the river to the sea, which is both kind of an incantation, a liberation incantation, and a geographical description of what's going on. She said that, and they said, you know, she got censored for that. What a terribly repressive moment. And I think our political leaders, unfortunately, are rather timid. Well, why was it a repressive
2: moment? I mean, because when you say from the river to the sea, it evokes all kinds of emotion. I mean, I think for people who uh, who want justice for Palestinians, they don't see that as the elimination of Jewish people. They see that as an affirmation, and it seems that you see it that way, too. What, what does the phrase mean to you? What, what does it
6: mean? I mean, it, it, it's a, I, I use the word incantation advisedly, right, because it's a vision of liberation that we hold as we march, as we imagine what could be possible in Palestine, right? And, you know, I'm a historian and part of um, McCarthyism, when if you said things a certain way or associated with certain people, you could be suspect. And, you know, that's what we're seeing when we have universities like Columbia and Brandeis censoring student orgs. I've worked with student orgs my entire career, and the wonderful thing about students is, you know, there's new ones every four years. They're idealistic. They're figuring things out. And the idea that they can't have an organization called Students for Justice in Palestine or Jewish Voice for Peace on campus, that that's too threatening, tells us that we're at one of your speakers yesterday used the phrase an inflection point. Things are changing really fast, and the powers that be are scared. Well, mm. you know, but the thing is that that has been ongoing
2: for so long, right? Um, and it just seems like the dam broke, if you will. Um, But but I think, like you said, it is I think that we've seen a generational shift because when I see Jonah and I'm not going to jump, not going to speak about you, Jonah, we're going to speak with you. Um, The professor and I will recognize we knew what we grew up with, but it seems like you have a completely different worldview. I mean, you've jumped right into Israel apartheid state and but challenging Israel, but still loving israel and saying wait a minute as you go forward you've got to change what is if not now saying i mean what what do you want people to know about your thoughts about israel as jewish people as jewish americans
5: yeah absolutely um i think sometimes there's a perception that those of us uh, in if not now are 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 motivated just by a hatred of Israel or a hatred of the people who live in Israel. And I think that that is a misperception. Um, in our movement, we have people uh, that actually are Israeli-Americans that have family uh, or very close friends that were killed or taken hostage on October 7th. Um, I have family in Israel, including a cousin who's currently uh, a paramedic in the Israeli army, and, and my view is that this war uh, is making her less safe. Mm-hmm. And, and not only for the, for the cries of justice for the Palestinian people, uh, which unfortunately have been made invisible or demonized to so much of the Jewish community, but for the liberation of the Jewish people of Israel, who have been told that the only way that they can be safe is by oppressing another people, I think what my generation has understood, uh, and, and thankfully uh, with with, with a, a generation removed from people like our parents, whose parents uh, may have just come from the gas chambers um, mm-hmm. in the Holocaust, um, I, think, I think there's been space for my generation to see um, that in order for the Jewish people to be safe, it doesn't require the oppression of another people. And it can't require the repression of another people because that process dehumanizes us as Jews, too. Um, Yeah.
2: Well, well, how do you feel about, first you, Jonah, and then you, uh, Rachel, about Bernie Sanders? He's, like, moving by degrees. And, and, you know, I I guess, you know, just as an African-American and someone who's known Senator Sanders, oh, please, since I was barely out of my teens, Um. And I know him to be a good man and a man of tremendous principle. Uh, But we have wanted him to call for a ceasefire, which is something that he refuses to do. Um, But he is also in his 80s. He's lived on the kibbutz. I mean, he has I mean, he's a generation from the from the Holocaust. I mean, he was born as it was ending. Uh, Do you give him any space on that? What do you think of his position, Jonah.
5: Um, no, I, I, I totally hear what you're saying on that. Um, and and uh, Senator Sanders has been a big friend of If Not Now for many years. Um, and just this weekend came out with a very clear plan calling for uh, conditions on U.S. military aid to Israel on things like ending the blockade, uh, ending uh, the building of settlements in the West Bank. Um, and he said that Israel should not get another penny until things like that and the end of the indiscriminate bombing campaign in Gaza happened. And for that, if not now, it says, thank you so much, Senator Sanders on the issue of ceasefire. I think, yeah, we're, we're trying to figure out uh, why he's in a different place than, than so much of the movement that elected him. Um, certainly he has a history uh, in Israel as well. He has a family that was killed in the Holocaust. Um, what, what we've heard him say is that, he doesn't see how you can have a ceasefire with a group like Hamas that is committed to the destruction of the state of Israel. And I think our view and what we're trying to push him on is to say that while certainly a group like Hamas uh, is difficult to make peace with, uh, it must, its rise uh, and the radicalization that leads people to support a group like Hamas must be understood in the context of the deprivation of human rights that the Palestinian people of Gaza have been experiencing, and that the way to defeat Hamas is by addressing those underlying conditions that there is no military solution to Hamas. Um, not only that, but that uh, attempts to defeat Hamas endanger Israeli hostages and endanger Palestinian civilians on a scale like we've never seen on a scale that, that is an unfolding uh, genocidal campaign in Gaza. And so um, we, we hope that Senator Sanders comes on board with us. Um, and, and I think your guess is as good as mine as to why he's not all the way there yet.
2: Well, you know, I just, I see it I, I, again, I think generationally and I, you know, some, we all have, no one's perfect. We have our blind spots, uh, ah, but Rachel, Rachel, Ida Buff, you have not given him space. The last two minutes belong to you.
6: Sure. I mean, I think that, um, Jonah is right that Sanders has moved this weekend, but, Even historically with Sanders, he's been better about this issue than he is being now. So I I think that I I don't understand all we're seeing. I mean, I know that we were talking, Jewish Voice of Peace in Wisconsin, talked to Mark Pocan, who's a congressman, who's been very courageous on this issue. And um, we talked about the issue of ceasefire. And he was like, look, I want to work with you. I've been working with JVP National on this. I think the word ceasefire is not going to get you what you think it is. So you know, we still push them on ceasefire and we still stand for ceasefire. I mean, maybe, maybe there's a small percentage in ceasefire is less practical than the slightly more complex plan that Sanders lay out this weekend. But I, there's a there's a moment at which, you know, ceasefire is also sort of like from the river to the sea. It's a condensation of people's desires for liberation. And the Refusal of our representatives to sign on to it is really troubling to me. And I also want to say, and this, you know, to pick up on something Jonah was saying, Hamas is hard to negotiate with. And historically, the United States and Israel undermined every other legitimate representative of the Palestinian people. So it's really ahistorical to be like, oh, Hamas, they're terrible. We can't negotiate with them. We have to destroy everybody. Like, well, Kind of all the other options were undermined, murdered, imprisoned, and taken out. So this is what you've got, you know, unfortunately. So, you know, Hamas is, is, is tricky. It's not, it's not maybe who people would like to be negotiating, but that's that's kind of life. It doesn't justify murdering everyone around Hamas and calling them human shields. mm. Well, you know, they did help to fund them.
2: And George Soros did write yep. a big letter supporting Hamas. We've got to get behind them because they didn't want to deal with the Palestinians. operation uh, organization It's just like mm-hmm. now. Look, now look at what we've got. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Oh, everybody. You know what? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. And let's talk about the Global South's push. Rachel Ida Buff and Jonah Karsh against Uh, They're pushing to take Israel to the ICC. Now, mind you, ICC, Israel's not part of it, but it's very interesting to watch the global south assert themselves in this particular struggle. Let's talk about it. On the Santita Jackson Show, call us at 773-763-9278. Back in a minute.
0: This is the Santita Jackson Show.
2: everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. Monday, November 20th, 2023, Thanksgiving week. Everybody praying that everyone everyone you know and love are safe and sound. I'm Santita Jackson coming to you from WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota, and the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel. Get on over there and meet Andre Parker, my godbrother, and Robert and Wanda from North Carolina, Miss Waiters, and Shirley from, don't forget it, beautiful Philadelphia and Laura Bell and Zenobia and Robert and Barbara from Oak Park. Always Daryl sending you all so much love today. Barbara Bacon. That's right. I love you. Love you. Love you all. Everybody meet on over there and please like and share the show. Uh, we are talking about the global south and their push um On this Palestinian question, they are going to take Israel to the to the International Criminal Court. What will that mean? Uh, What is what is Africa's position? What is the position of the former colonies, the formerly colonized countries which are becoming economic superpowers? in this new millennium so i want you to call us at 773 763 wcpt 773 will their positions will south africa's position move the needle On this question, because, of course, not only do we need a ceasefire, we need peace, but you need the resolution of the Palestinian state. You need uh, security for Israel. You need justice for the Palestinians. And they are locked into each other. So let's talk about it on seven at seven, seven, three, seven, six, three, nine, two, seven, eight. Dedicating the show to our forever First Lady Rosalind Carter, 96 years of age, 77 years of marriage. Great humanitarian, great, great woman, great woman of God, uh, made her transition yesterday. She was just put in hospice just days ago. And we thank God for her life. You know, when people live such great lives that are so full, you can't help but smile. We thank God for... Having had a First Lady who stood for human rights, who stood for and with the most vulnerable, I thank God for her today and ask that peace be upon the Carter family. They have been blessed with so much. Uh, Four children, uh, scores of grandchildren, more than 14, I think 14 great-grandchildren. What a life, what a life. And they continue to teach Sunday school. The Carter Center is now an epicenter for peace all around the world. What great people the Carters are. And... Jimmy Carter said, the best thing I ever did in my life was Mary Rosalind Carter. She has been his guiding light, and we thank God for her today. God bless you, Ros- Rosalind Carter. Now, sending much love and many prayers to Carlton Pearson. Bishop Pearson has been struggling with his health. We're sending him love today, trying to check on him and find out just how he's doing today. Sending Kim, so much love today, that wonderful family. It is Monday, November 20th, 2023 in Chicago. We're going to have a high of 49 degrees. It'll be cloudy, a chance of rain. It will rain in Minneapolis, St. Paul, though. 45 degrees will be the high, and it will be cloudy all day. In the NFL, well, the Broncos 21, the Vikings 20 in a heartbreaker. And, well, the Bears, well, the Lions 31 and the Bears 26. In the NBA, the Heat will be playing the Bulls tonight, and the Knicks will be playing the, Tim- the Timberwolves. And in NHL, yes, it's that time, everybody. The Sabres, three. Chicago, two. The Maple Leafs, four. And Minnesota, three. Uh, the California Democratic Convention was shut down by ceasefire supporters. And there are more than 13,000 Palestinians who have been killed uh, since October 7th. Wow. Including a 32-member family, 19 of whom were children, all killed by these IDF strikes. Um, Indeed, the Deputy Knesset Speaker of the Israeli Parliament, Nassim Vatari, said, we are too humane. Burn Gaza now. Wow. How do we get from there to where we're supposed to be? We're going to do it. We're talking today about the push by The global south to have a ceasefire and not just have a ceasefire. They are saying, you know what, you've got to resolve the Palestinian question and you must take Israel. To the ICC for war crimes. So let's talk about this today. Of course, we are still talking with uh, two members of If Not Now, Rachel Ida Buff. She's a professor of history at the University of Wisconsin at Milwaukee. Of course, she's also with Jewish Voice for Peace and Never Again, Wisconsin. Of course, Jonah Karsh, jazz pianist. Ken, we'll have to do something together one day, Jonah. And he's a political lead at If Not Now Chicago. And of course, we're joined by Dwight McKee, a brilliant sociologist. Uh, and the Dean of the Ma'afa Redemption Project, Dr. David Gibbs, Professor of History at the University of Arizona, uh, Net for Freeman, Black Alliance for Peace, and Attorney Robert Patillo from the National Leadership Team of Rainbow Push coming off this show on the iconic WAOK in Atlanta. Robert, what do you make of the South Africans' push to uh, to take Israel to court over war crimes?
7: Well, let's remember that South Africa has more experience with dealing with an apartheid regime uh, than almost any other nation in modern history. And as you said, we are uh, we are seeing a place now uh, where nations in the global South are saying, "We just dealt with colonization. We know what colonization looks like, uh, and we have to fight back against colonization." We're seeing similar things happening in, uh, in the South American nations, uh, from Colombia, Colombia to Venezuela, all breaking demogra- uh, uh, diplomatic ties with Israel over their genocide currently taking place in Gaza. And I I remind people often on on, uh, my radio show and other places that this is the moderate position uh, that the Israelis are taking uh, based upon how Netanyahu ran in the past campaign. Uh, if you look at the far right-wing government that he put in place, if you look at the judicial reforms that were put in place, if you look at every statement Netanyahu made over the course of the last two years or so, uh, he he stated that his goal was the complete destruction and occupation of Gaza and the, uh, the seventh attack of the, the Cassius Belli that he needed in order to justify that attack. Uh, we've had members of the uh, of the israeli parliament or the israeli uh, government talk about stopping the oh hold, hold on
2: one second we can hear wait, wait wait hold on one second we can hear something in the background so if you could mute yourself so that we can hear robert okay robert patillo
7: Thank you so much. Uh, but you, we've heard members of the Israeli uh, leaders who talk about nuking Gaza, uh, d- discussing this idea of the complete destruction. Even U.S. politicians who are, re- are, who are aligned with Israel have talked about uh, the need for the complete ethnic cleansing of the region. So for people in the global south, from South Africa and other nations, who have dealt with this in recent years, there has to be some sort of international protocol in place, or else the entire international uh, order starts falling apart, Hard. What whether simply we have rules for war, we have rules for civilian rights, but it comes to other nations, to black and brown nations, but when it comes to Israel and the U.S., we can kill a million Iraqis, we can kill uh, 750,000 uh, Afghanis, we can launch wars and drone attacks who, uh, against whoever we want. International laws, international lines do not matter to us. Well, then they, it becomes the place where these other nations have to say, well, they don't have to play by the same rules as us. How do the rules apply at all? As I think we're seeing the global south start to band together because the growth of the next century uh, is in the global south. The average age in the uh, sub-Saharan Africa is between 19 and 22 years old. The second half of this century will be the African century and the uh, South American century. So we're going to need to put the the apparatuses in place right now to maintain the global order as it stands today. Otherwise, the global north will become left behind. Look at birth rates, look at rates of industrialization, uh, look at uh, Uh, the graying and aging populations, the global South is rising, the global North is falling, and Israel is desperately trying to hold on to the last of this uh, this 18th century-style colonization that we're seeing in Gaza.
2: Net for Freeman, your thoughts. Do you think that the global South will move the needle on this issue?
8: Um, Well, I think it's a very beginning, a good beginning, and it needs to happen. I I agree with everything the previous... um, panelists was suggesting the global south is moving the needle in a lot of ways i think one of the the things that's important to notice the the multipolarization that's emerging in the world where the united states and the western powers are not um able to exercise a complete unfettered hegemony over the world and they and you i mean um uh, Israel should be seen as an extension of their interest and their power, particularly military power, in that region. That's really the purpose of the founding of it. Um, one of the things that uh, I think is interesting to me that I came across was something—a suggestion by Craig Murray, who's mm-hmm. the uh, human rights activist, and actually was the, the um, British ambassador had been the British ambassador to Uzbekistan. He's suggesting that. Um, activating the genocide convention through the international uh through the uh, criminal international court of justice not the instead of the international criminal court he's saying that the, to do so there and this is very interesting um, actually uh, um, prevents the ha- having to the international criminal court would have to go through an investigation to determine if it's and also um, we'll, uh will do it down to the individual, where in the International Court of Justice, any of the governments that's a party to that, and it's 149 states that are party to the Gen- Genocide Convention, are able to introduce this. And as soon as uh, one of the states, you know... Uh, uh, Require it requires adjudication as soon as adjudication as soon as one of the states disputes the claim and that would be United States or or Israel and the United Kingdom which are all party to this convention and this would have to, this would prevent or or uh, eliminate the need for the International Court Criminal Court to actually to do go into something and then there's also the International Criminal Court is really is very much a Western government puppet institution. And there's a lot of times just wiggled out of taking action on these kind of things. But the International Court of Justice uh, of genocide and and, and is actually more respected, uh, and is also a part um, of the United Nations. We should note that the United that uh, Israel has been ignoring um, a UN Security Council resolution that was passed about almost a week ago. uh, calling calling for humanitarian pause that allow that would allow for aid and everything, and they just basically ignored this. So we're talking about the imperial powers wielding um, whatever they can to just go ahead with their agenda. This is kind of what they do. They've always did this. They have a history of just doing this and ignoring the rest, the rest of the world. So it is it is important for the global south to buckle down in terms of efforts to to bring into you know the Get control of the of the craze and and nature of the of the uh, of the Western powers.
2: Mm. I mean, Doctor Gibbs, it's what does this say about the Global South? I mean, really making this kind of decision and pushing forward with this.
9: Well, I, I don't know about the legality of it. I'm, I'm uncertain about the legality, just because, to the best of my knowledge, Israel had never joined the International Criminal Court, so it's unclear to me whether jurisdiction would apply or not. Again, I haven't studied this carefully, but I, I'm uncertain about uh, how legally applicable it is. I mean, certainly in terms of you know, what Israel's doing, it's, it's so worthy of condemnation that, um, you know, if they, can get, if they can get any kind of case before the ICC, that would certainly be a worthy activity. Um, you know, what you're seeing here is indeed a growth in confidence in the global south, joined by some very powerful nations such as India, Brazil, of course, China, South Africa, um, you know, potentially Nigeria, Egypt. These are countries that will have some weight, increasing weight, in the world. You um, know, I think that the United States itself is very much in a kind of NATO bubble, uh, and they imagine that the world is united around American policy. They said this again and again. Um, you know, during the Ukraine war, for example, and that really was only less than twenty percent of the world's population. And somehow or another, they imagine that Europe, the United States, and a couple of American allies in Japan, that's the world. The is a lot bigger than that. And it's beginning – the, 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 the uh, non-U.S. allies are starting to break away uh, from U.S. leadership and to challenge U.S. leadership at many levels. Um, you know, the ICC um, case is only one. Obviously, you are getting efforts uh, to build up an, a new economic order that is not based on U.S. government. You're getting – a kind of very gradual de-dollarization. Countries increasingly are not using the dollar for international trade and increasingly will not use the dollar for international trade. This is very clearly a challenge to hegemony of the existing order, and it's been accelerated by the brutality of what Israel is doing in Gaza with, with very strong American backing. And so uh, this could very well be kind of an inflection point in the history of international relations, uh, one that really marks the decline of uh, you know American hegemony and, um, and NATO and moving to a different system,
2: hmm. Dwight McKee, what's your take on this?
9: Well, it's interesting
0: that most of those countries have one thing in common, and all of them have been captivated in one way or another by the British Empire, in South Africa, whether it's India and by England, whether it's China and Taiwan, and they're. Uh, annexation of of Taiwan, whether it's South Africa being set up by the Boers, most of these countries have that in common, including Israel, which was actually set up by the British Empire. And the other thing that South Africa and uh, and Israel have in common is that the commonality of the Rothschilds, who set the policy system up in both those countries, uh, South Africa and Israel, and funded the beginning of Israel and control. You know many of the resources in South Africa, and so there's a there's a continuity and a sensitivity that the, these countries have for what's happening in Israel. The other problem they have, though, is that most of the courts that you would appeal to for genocide, they were always also set up by the British Empire and indirectly America. And so they exercise veto power. And so they play games when it comes to genocide. So in order for you to be tried for genocide by and large, as Robbie should to say, you have to be a African president. Uh, you have to be a black tyrant or a tyrant of color. But if you are a white tyrant or a, one who identifies with the West, then you pretty much have carte blanche to uh, be as brutal as you need to be for the sake of extending... Uh, Western colonialism, and so I think that the the, the best way, as opposed to go through the courts, is pretty much what uh, Brother Gibbs was saying: is use your collective power of trade and controlling those resources, to begin to boycott and sanction uh, trade with the United States and Israel and, and England because they are most dependent upon those resources in the South. And the economies are really built around having access to the natural resources in those in the, the southern, uh, those southern countries. And so if you take them off the market, and if you take yourself off of the dollar and begin to negotiate everything from oil to titanium, in different currencies that are not U.S. dollars, then I mean can, they can then begin, uh, the United States and Israel and, and, and this, uh, Britain begin to feel the brunt of uh, those countries and their anger about what's going on and is more subject to being able to make adjustments because now they're, they're feeling it at a different level than at the court level. The hmm. court you know thing what, what, never worked.
2: Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I'm sorry, Dwight. You were saying your thought.
0: The court thing never works because the those countries have veto power. And so when you look at the reality of even the, those uh, Americans who have been condemned uh, as war criminals like Kissinger, uh, they never get tried because, you know, these, these Western countries really protect the, the american violators of the these uh these policies
2: but you know what jonah it seems like things are changing i know you've got to go but i have a couple of minutes that i want to give to you because you're of another generation you know rachel i and so rachel's going to stay with us for a while but uh the, the global south they're asserting themselves as dr gibbs said um in a way that we have not seen before. But they also, um, they know that they're not debtors. They're actually creditors because the West's uh, wealth is by and large predicated upon their resources. So what do you make of this? I mean, in this in this new day, because I do believe a new day has dawned, Jonah Carst. last two minutes belong to you.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that um, it, with the U.S. exercising hegemony over the global order, and the two great powers of the world at this time sort of being understood as the U.S. and China, uh, if the U.S. is abdicating its moral leadership as, as sort of the patron state uh, to Israel and not holding Israel accountable, um, it makes sense that countries that are victims of British colonialism, that are victims of U.S. imperialism uh, in the global south, that uh, are, are going to stand up and say, uh, as As by the way, the State Department has been warning, uh, and apparently uh, the Secretary of State is not listening that these countries are going to say if the u s isn't going to exercise leadership here, we're going to take this into our own hands uh, and and use every tool at our disposal uh, to say that that uh, that what Israel is doing uh, is not acceptable um, and and that our legacy of colonialism informs uh, the way that we understand it. Um, and so I, I think uh, the U.S. Would do, would do well to listen, uh, and, I, and I'm encouraged by movements in the United States that are working uh, to understand that when we have an open discourse on this issue, uh, thing, things, go, things are better um, because uh, lobbies like AIPAC are, are invested in keeping the discourse closed, of only showing part of the truth, of taking members of Congress to Israel and, and they can come back and say that they understand what's going on, but they didn't vi- visit a single village in the West Bank that's under occupation. Uh, they didn't talk to a single Palestinian who understands themselves as oppressed, who's not who's not uh, corrupt and in the pocket of Israel. Um, and and so uh, I'm uh, I hope that as the open discourse continues, uh, both. Encouraged by these countries in the international community and by the movements in the United States, that we can see some change uh, in Israel and Palestine.
2: Well, you know, I think our economic circumstances are going to determine that too because uh, they're organizing around bricks. I mean, the American dollar is no longer going to be the reserve currency of the world. Indeed, it's, increasingly, it is not. It's something we need to think about. Jonah Karsh, you have a home here on this show. I want you to come back as soon as you can. What I've got about 30 seconds. What else will, if not now, be doing? How can we be active with you? How can we support you?
5: Absolutely. Well, if not now, Chicago's current focus uh, is getting to a ceasefire uh, as soon as possible. Uh, because as long as this war is going on, we can't begin to address the underlying causes of, of occupation and apartheid that got us here in the first place. Uh, so, uh, you can follow us on Instagram at ifnotnowchicago, um, and nationally at ifnotnoworg, uh, to get updates on all the things that we have planned. We have, uh, for our membership, uh, uh, an opportunity tomorrow night, uh, to talk about how you're going to talk to your family. Uh, on Thanksgiving, uh, about this issue, because this is such an issue that divides the Jewish community. Um, but just follow us on Instagram at If Not Now, Chicago, and we'll have lots of updates coming in the coming weeks.
2: Jonah Kosh, everybody, jazz pianist, also a great political organizer and activist. Back with more of the Santita Jackson show in just a minute.
0: This is the Santita Jackson Show.
2: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. Of course, we're talking about peace, peace in the Middle East and peace in your heart, peace in your home. Call us at 773-763-9278. David, I wish you would call back. Because you said that you, I don't want to put words into your mouth, but the synopsis that I got of your remarks is that you are against a ceasefire, and I'd certainly like to know why. And um, just no judgment, just want to know what your thinking is. And Rachel Ida Buff, you're a professor of history at the University of Wisconsin. You're with Jewish Voice for Peace, with never Again action. You're with, if not now, when you hear that someone says, that they don't support a ceasefire. Chief among them, you know, trying to move Bernie Sanders into that column has been very, very difficult. What do you say? What do you think they're seeing? I mean, where do you think that they might not have it right?
6: Well, I think we saw the mobilization of mostly American Jews, though there were a number of Christian Zionists there uh, last week in D.C., calling for more military action, calling for the punishment of Hamas. And I think you just said it in the break hurt people, hurt people. You know, we're all grieving. Many uh, American Jews have relatives in Israel. I was at a benefit the other night and was speaking to a young Palestinian woman, um, a graduate student, and she told me that that day 50 of her family members had died in Gaza. You know, and and I think we're just all wrecked. And I think the sort of intransigence about peace, we often run into this, right? That we have to we have to pay back. We, we're not, you know, there's we have to pay back the people who hurt us. And you know, the other piece of it is there's this um, kind of colonialist, racist overlay that you can't negotiate with Hamas. They're terrorists, and we know, no, no, they're sure, human right? animals.
2: Wait, 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 right.
6: Because I'm going to tell you, a black person, when I hear
2: that, I'm feeling some kind of way. When you casually refer to people, when you animalize people, we were three-fifths human. That made us animals. And, you know, you lose me on that, quite frankly. Yep,
6: exactly. Exactly. And, like, once you're talking about a group of people in that way you convince yourself that there is no way you could have peace you can't negotiate with them you can't do a hostage exchange with them you can't for example israel could open its jails and let you know just the children out right and get the hostages back but no we have to we have to double down right and you know i think i think people i you know i can't speak for david who called in but i know that among many American Jews. The notion is it's too dangerous. Peace is too dangerous. And, you know, that's a very sad position to be in. And it's a very colonialist position. And as you're pointing out, it is propped up only by extinctionist, genocidal racism. Well, I mean, Netfa, where do we go from here? I mean, what
2: do I mean, what do, what do we do? I mean, if you, you've got a progressive stalwart like Bernie Sanders, who is being moved grudgingly. He's he's not at ceasefire yet. And he said, I just, you can't have ceasefire with Hamas. I mean, if you could speak to him one-on-one, what would you say?
8: I mean, well, you know, the, the, I don't I put little into what Bernie Sanders can do or anything about Bernie Sanders, really. I'm not. I see, mm-hmm. I'm not a... I'm not really a fan. There's really nothing that he's really done. That's impressive okay, to me, well, I'll you, be quite honest.
2: Well no 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 was, but uh, no no stuff. but but give us that. I mean that's fine because you can feel whatever you feel and see whatever you see. I want you to share that. Mm-hmm.
8: Well, I mean, I think the the and we should, as um, particularly as those who are the non-white world, the population in the United States, should see ourselves as part of the global South because we did start talking about it from that standpoint. The U.S. really should be, uh, and, and if we're talking about a criminal court, and I do agree with the the other panels, actually, about the courts really not being. Um, the, uh, it may be just one front, one uh, aspect of, of a strategy. Um, you know, we have to cover all bases if we can, I suppose. But that's something at the level of the states that you know, those of us who are not within governments don't really have much to do with. But we should see the United States as co-conspirators with Israel, not just people who are not doing, you know, the, the government, not, not, not doing what they can to do things, but actually doing aiding and abetting. Genocide. This, this special forces on the ground. They've, you know, sent the, the aircraft carriers, all that over there. This un, uh, unconditional uh, support when they're talking in the media and everything for for this Zionist state of Israel. So, and those of us inside the United States um, should see ourselves because the the role as colonized people, uh, the, uh, as the people who are who don't benefit from the interest of those who are, you know, who exploit us our labor and then send police into our neighborhoods and all that. And there's even, and that we have the same adversaries as the Palestinian people. There's the police, the control is also trained together with the idea of, this is a very important thing for us to understand. And that there, and that the global South, the movement of the global South, which I think we should say we were part of, I think we established that it's emerging. This is a, what needs to be done is that we have to keep fighting for our liberation liberation is is you know this is a liberation struggle which mean when people start talking about Hamas and all these things we're, these are we're not talking about uh, any any um, any response by the Palestinian people and it may happen to include violence we have to consider it in the realm of self-defense Colonized people don't just commit acts of uh, revenge violence a lot of it's a fighting of liberation and-
2: Getting some music, but that's okay. Keep on going. Okay. I'm sorry. Netfa, please continue. Oh. Netfa, are you still there? Okay. Well, hold on. We're trying to find where the music was coming from. but uh, I'm here. Okay, Netfa. I'm here. Okay. Yeah, can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah. Now I can. Yeah. But you were making the point okay. that blacks ought to see themselves as a part of the global South and that movement, which is you know which right. is, which and, is an historical position that um, that mm-hmm. you know our leadership have taken, my goodness, for centuries.
8: Right. And so <clears throat> what then? What needs to be done is that we have to. Const- Continue to in the liberation struggle. We have to, bu- to uh, double down on our solidarity with the Palestinian people and politically educate the masses of our people, that those of us, especially the, the African and black population that says it has nothing to do with us. If we, if when we identify as a global stock, and we, particularly as those of us, I'm a pan-Africanist, so we also see our situation as tied to the situation of black and African people around the world. And then we see that they have the same, that there's also a long history of solidarity and struggle uh, between those on the continent of Africa and other places and the Palestinian people, and that the same interests, the same forces, not just that, that oppress Palestinian people are at the heart of oppressing them. In the Congo, the, the diamonds and all the extractive industries, the super-exploitation super exploit of, of Africa in terms of the extractive things, um, Israel is complicit in that the military uh, exchanges of weapons and things like that. Israel is the biggest uh, supplier or exporter of diamonds around the world, but there's not a single diamond mine in, well, I should say, Palestine. And and so that's because of the relationship with places like South Africa and the Congo where these things are coming. So there's a direct relationship that we have with uh, the liberation struggle, and we have to continue the liberation struggle that discredits and delegitimizes and shifts power. From those who benefit, that are at the top, to the, the masses of the people. Uh, one of the things that was interesting is Israel's working its way because of the, the anti, the pro Palestinian movement, anti Zionist movement during the liberation struggle, the independence struggles in decolonization in Africa. Since the 2000, I mean, since 1973 and, and onwards, they've been trying to work their way to the point where they actually have observer status in the African Union. And, and that's been right. <laughs> that's and so, the, and that's, but it's been contested now that it's being contested now, mm-hmm. an emergence of contesting that because of the the continent of Africa is being shaken up uh, from the ground up uh, in terms of its relationship with neocolonialism. So, there's a lot there that we need to mm-hmm. understand the commonalities, but it also gives us a roadmap on some level of what should be done.
2: Well, yes, on that level, the spirit of Gaddafi does live because he mm-hmm. was, you know, was really in terms of his right. politics the blackest leader in Africa. And so when he was taken out, uh, it was devastating, devastating. But, you know, you can take out a person. And he said he knew that he was going to be taken out. He said, unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's going to happen during the Obama administration. And he lamented that publicly. And you remember when the president of South Africa flew up and apologized to him after President Obama asked him to flip his vote so that they would invade Libya. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Just the the yeah. heartbreak of all of that. Uh, and yet you yeah. see Africa kind of getting back on its feet and kind of getting its balance. Let me to go to, yes. Yes. Yeah. Netfa.
8: Well, yeah, I see it. I mean, just that point about Libya because you, you're right that the Libyan Jamharia led by Gaddafi was one of the staunchest anti-Zionist countries on the continent. But then you saw that we saw the U.S. leading and the NATO leading the destruction of Libya in 2011 and having to recover back that from that, and that also causing the a lot of the militarized destabilization we see across the Sahel and the 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 things that the AFRICOM is claiming they're trying to fight. Al-Shabaab, Boko Haram and all that, but actually the United States operation to destroy Libya is directly responsible for this destabilization. It's all, it's all tied together.
2: Mm, Let me go to Tony from the South side. Tony, what's on your mind today? Thank you for calling in.
10: Oh, okay. Uh, Peace and blessings and happy holidays to you and uh, all of y'all, all all of y'all loved ones.
2: (laughs) And Uh, to yours.
10: Thank you. Oh, on the air. You know, in the in the media, they're talking about okay, uh, who's the, the Ashkenazi or the people that come out of Europe that the present day Zionists? Mm-hmm. How can they be? They are less Semitic than the Palestinians are. So what have they hijacked? Being called uh, uh, Semites? Those people are not really Semites. And then Bernie Sanders, I'm really disappointed in him. He made a very foolish statement. It's not a, a war with Hamas like they're saying in the media. It's a war on the Palestinian people. I understand the rage of, of, of Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar. It's a shame. And I'm disappointed in our team Jeffries also. I'm, I don't know how Dr. Leonard Jeffries feels about it, but it's ridiculous peace.
2: That's what we need. People mm-hmm. are getting killed. It's really, it's second. They're wiping out entire families. Entire wow. families. I mean, Robert Petillo. I mean, whole families are being wiped out. And but, really? but the rage and the pain is behind, Mr. Tony.
10: It yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm feeling because mm-hmm. I know a lot of people, I don't trust what this media is saying to people. As a matter of fact, the biggest gangsters and corporations are the weapon manufacturers. Yeah. And they destroy everything then come back and Halliburton and everybody else, build it back up. It's like some kind of racket. A vicious racket. And I'm, you know, I'm praying to the creator for me not to lose my faith or my belief in him or her. Because uh, I'm saying the the most of the uh, devastating trauma and hardship is being rained upon the people with the least resources, the least of us. And I'm saying, Mm -hmm. I'm
2: saying, creator, where are you? What you going to do? Well, you know, Uh, no, 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 that's okay. I I believe God is here and God is ever present. But God, God needs us to be present. We continue. We we pray and then we do nothing. And faith without works is dead. What are we going to do? When are we going to fight for peace? When are we going to fight uh, to make things right? You know, I mean, because at, at some point, because, you know, we do a lot of talking, but people are not willing to pay the price to fight for peace, to be targeted by your government, to be called a dissident and mistreated. I mean, I know because I come from that space and to have to live with it because people who have who have pushed for Justice for the Palestinians and Israeli security have paid a high, 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 high price. And most people, even if they knew that what was happening to Palestinian people was was wrong, they, were, they weren't willing to pay the price. So you kind of, not you, but people miss me on that. Because folks do a lot of talking, but they don't want to pay the price for peace.
10: Yeah, yeah. like I understand what Reverend Harold Sharpen said. He said, God is not your valet.
2: No,
10: he's not. <laughs> no, I understand. I appreciate you and your family. I, and I, I was kind of disappointed last week when they said you weren't going to be in there because I really look forward to the, hearing your uh, insight and the, your, the outstanding panel that you be bringing before us. Oh we need to hear that. People need all over the world. need to hear the the viewpoint. Oh. Uh, Attorney Mark Fancher, Attorney Robert Tillow, D. White McKee, Attorney Todd Yeary, Attorney C.K. Hoffler, Attorney Daryl Jones, Aaron Connolly, and Dr. Mm -hmm. David Gibbs and Bryce Green. And and I'm with Dr. John Quigley. I believe him.
2: Well, now, my goodness, Uh, everybody here, see, Rachel, I told you you need to join us, girl. He knows the whole lineup. <laughs> so, why, <laughs> so, Rachel Idemoff, why don't you respond to, I mean, to all that Mr. Tony said? Um, because you can hear the despair. I mean, this is not something yeah. that people are just feeling in that part of the world. We're feeling it here. We do actually have boots on
6: the ground over there.
10: <laughs> We're yeah, just the not putting on the it on we TV. Have
2: got-
6: Yep. Yeah, boots on the ground, guns in the hands, and as a couple of people pointed out, you know, the, the, uh, the weapons manufacturers very, very happy, as they have been, it should be said, with the Ukraine war. You know, there mm-hmm. are people who never do badly, and we don't talk about them enough. There are people who benefit from the death and loss and grief, and they're right here among us, and they're on the boards of our corporations. I think that um, it was uh, Dr. McKee who talked about the necessity of boycott, and, you know, we have seen a vicious, vicious pushback on the enactment of the, the civil call in Palestine for boycott, divest, and you know There have been laws, there have been demonization. You know When you were just speaking to, to Mr. Tony about the cost of um, standing up for peace, we've seen people lose their jobs. We've seen Muslim people targeted for, um, again, the, the sought crime of supporting BDS, which is a boycott like the Montgomery bus boycott, it's a freedom of speech issue. It is covered in the constitution, but it is now being demonized because it's an effective way of saying to Israel, you know, we're not going to, we're not, we're not going to, we don't want you to profit from what you're doing. We're not going to support the apartheid state we're, 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 we're defecting with our money. And it's very powerful, you know, in some Western European countries, the BDS movement, but it's demonized again under this kind of cold war fear of dissent. In this country, you know, and it's what it's what Palestinian civil society in Palestine has called for. It's what activists, Jewish, Muslim, Christian, secular have called for in this country. And it is a response to the people who never, never miss lose anything from war that wreak havoc and death on the rest of the world. Mostly people of color. Right. And, you know, saying you you can't profit from this anymore is really a powerful thing, but it is being demonized. And so I I share Mr. Tony's despair. And honestly, what makes me an organizer is this is at a very basic level, particularly since October 7th. The only time I don't feel just paralyzed by grief and fear is when I'm organizing with you know the beautiful coalition we have up here in Wisconsin, which is multiracial, multi-religious, you know it's multi-ideological, or you know down in Chicago on last week uh, a week ago today, those are the only moments I don't feel just immobilized and and horrified. you know, and I think that there's something about coming out of your individualized space of despair into fellowship and solidarity, like you know, I, I don't we don't always win, we don't always prevail but we represent, and I think, I think the incredibly brave work of people who do suffer for peace makes it possible for other people to consider taking those first steps.
1: Hmm.
2: Robert Petillo, I mean, dissent on this particular issue is not new. I mean, that's been the rule, you know, as opposed to the exception. What changed
7: I think that what's changed is our media landscape, that instead of media being uh, controlled by CNN and ABC, et cetera, and only getting their side of the discussion out, now we're starting to see the democratization of information through social media. Now we're seeing firsthand images coming out of Palestine. We're seeing children being blown up. And when the IDF says, well, we were targeting a uh, terrorist Hamas leader, uh, we see the video of what really happened, that it's a school bus. Or, let us say group of uh, of old people being wheeled out of a hospital we're seeing the real images come out, and that is what changing people's opinion. Uh, for generations, all we have heard is the Israeli side of the argument because they have an outsized level of control on U.S. media. Uh, that's just a, a truthful statement. That's just a realistic statement. Uh, when it comes to, when you look at the lobbying efforts, if you look at the power of AIPAC on our political system, if you look at the number of members of Congress who have dual citizenship with the United States and Israel, if you look at the joint drills that are, taking, uh, that are done between the U.S. military and the Israeli military, there's an outsized interest. Uh, influence in American media and politics, and now that we're seeing the other side of the story, it's becoming very difficult for people to stomach what is being done in their names and what's being done with their tax dollars. You know, you're know, you seeing people like Cardi B uh, come out and say, how are we fighting a two-front war, or funding a two-front war while there are people starving in the streets? Uh, we're seeing uh, folks for the first time really understand on an international level what the American empire is built on top of. That it's an empire that is built on top of the bones of dissidents from around the world. And then until we come to a reckoning on this, we do not have the moral high ground or authority to tell anyone else uh, what they can and cannot do. How exactly can America tell Israel to stop killing Hamas? Well, we spent 20 years killing people in Afghanistan after 9-11. Uh, we have to start rebuilding our moral authority around the world, and that starts with demanding a ceasefire. And we need to condition any U.S. aid to Israel on the fin- founding of a two-state solution. Why? Well, since 1947, America has given Israel nearly $300 billion uh, in military and humanitarian aid we need to have a say in how that money is spent and if we're not going to do so we are complicit in all the war crimes
2: and you know and we need that money in the united states you would think that if you were driving down the street that we had streets paved with gold and that, that the infrastructure of america was where it's supposed to be the american society of civil engineers they routinely give us a d or c or c minus minus. We need that money here, and you can't take my money and just do with it what you will, and I have no say in it. That's that's not going to work. And I think that's going to turn. But what we want to do is not turn on each other. We want to turn to each other, and move from uh, move from the hurt. You know, the Bible tells you that you're supposed to do unto others as you, you're supposed to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The sad thing is, we do unto others what has been done unto us. We've got to grow beyond that, everybody. My great-grandmama, Tippy was not a woman of letters, but God knows she was wise. She said, baby, remember this. She didn't like revenge. She hated that. She didn't like it. And she told us, no, that's not what you want. You want justice. You want to do right by people and have them do right by you. That's enough. As long as the hurt that happens in you does not happen, you don't do it to somebody else, then you're all right. Don't let
1: people spoil you. Don't let
2: that hurt you. Don't 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 turn that around. And so that is my prayer for the Palestinian people, because that is something that I want our Jewish brothers and sisters to get not revenge, but justice.